This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. Uh, again, we're talking about the local church and why it is so important to us. Uh, this is Better Together is a mini-series that we're currently going through. At the end of this uh, mini-series, we'll be in the book of Philippians. So if you've never actually read through the book of Philippians, I'd encourage you to do that. It's only about four chapters, but it is power-packed with a lot of really good stuff. And we're going to be going through the book of Philippians verse by verse on Sunday mornings really, really soon. We're continuing our study of uh, the local church, why it's so important to us. We find ourselves in Acts chapter 2 studying the very first church that ever existed. And so uh, I would encourage you, if you've never read through the book of Acts, to read through it. Power-packed book that talks about what happened after Jesus left and how the, the first century church functioned. And so we find ourselves, just to give you context this morning, Acts chapter 1, Jesus has resurrected from the grave. Uh, he stands uh, there in Jerusalem, tells his apostles, Acts chapter 8, uh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses of me. So Jesus says, wait here. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and I want you to tell everybody what you've seen and what you've experienced. Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit comes on the apostles, Peter stands at a large gathering on the day of Pentecost and preaches the gospel to thousands of people for the very first time ever. Uh, That day, uh, we see people respond to the gospel. That's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse number 37. Acts 2, verse number 37. Now when they heard this, the preaching of Peter of the gospel, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as our Lord God shall call. And many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. So Peter preaches the gospel, and people ask the question, What should we do? And he says, You need to be saved. Verse number 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. All that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Last week, we took a look at verse number 42. Take a look at verse number 42 again this week. Last week, we saw how they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We talked about how the local church was a place where people could grow in their faith and be discipled and learn good doctrine, doctrine being a body of truth that we subscribe to that kind of guides us to being uh, what the Bible speaks about being discerning Christians. Today we're taking a look at one word that we have here, that next word, continuing doctrine and fellowship. That word fellowship is a really important word to us. Now, that verse, that one word is what we're going to be focusing on today, and so that word fellowship 
I had the opportunity to go to uh, Malaysia last year to preach at uh, several churches, uh, some, some large, some small. Uh, and I had the opportunity, amazing country in Malaysia, it's a, in the fact that it's a Muslim country. Uh, it's a Muslim is their actual national religion. It's against the law in Malaysia to try to proselytize or to evangelize or share your faith with someone who is a Muslim. And so uh, anyone who's not a Muslim, though, you can actually share your faith with them. And I had the opportunity to see several people accept Christ as Savior uh, there in that Muslim country. Awesome stuff. But it's unique in a couple different aspects uh, that affect that I've never been to a country like that before. My, uh, my host was there, a friend of mine, Mike Hare, uh, asked me, he said, Pastor, while you're here, is there anything that you'd like to do or like to see? And I said, there's one thing that I want to do while I'm here. He said, what's that? I said, I want to go to a CrossFit gym here in Malaysia. And he said, sure, that sounds like funny. So he found one that was close to their home and kind of figured out what time it was and dropped me off there and picked me up when I was done and stuff like that. And so uh, I went in and got the opportunity to work out with some folks there, and it was really cool. And uh, afterwards, I said to him, I said, hey, I said, um, do you guys uh, have T-shirts that you sell? They go, oh, yeah, absolutely. He said, um, what size? I said, well, I'm uh, extra large. And the guy looks at me and he goes, you're probably a 3XL. And I was just like, okay, I'm big, but I'm not that big, right? Like 3XL, like I've never worn a 3XL in my life. Uh, and so I said, well, I think I'm probably closer to an extra large. And so he holds up an extra large. And it's the size of what we would probably say a medium or a small. I was just like, oh, got it. You guys have different sizes over here. And that's an extra large. I'm definitely not an extra large. And he said, well, do you have any shirts in a 3XL? And he goes, ooh, I've I don't, I don't think so. And he asked that guy, do you have any 3XL shirts? The guy's like, mm-mm. Everybody starts wringing their hands, looking kind of nervous and everything. Like, I don't think so. And I said, he says, well, I, I can check. I said, well, if you check, that'd be great. I'd love to have one. And so he goes and gets a, a ladder and gets like this box in the very back of some top shelf somewhere. And I begin to look around the gym. And the majority of the people in the gym are like 5'4", weigh like 110 pounds and just like, Oh, I see. You don't make sure it's in my size, right? Oh, well, in America, we call this a man size, right? <laughs> I didn't say that. But uh, it, it was neat to be over there in a different culture where even I stuck out based on the way that I look um, and very different, you know, uh, from anybody else that I saw there uh, at the gym that day. But we all had something in common in the fact of the type of fitness that we enjoyed. And so uh, these people, some of them didn't speak English at all. Everybody understood what a back squat should look like, and we understood what a squat snatch should look like, and everybody understood that, that wall balls are terrible. And I found out that day that burpees are universally hated by every person and every tribe and every tongue. Uh, but it was interesting that we had things that were in common that kind of bonded us together despite the fact that we were way different in every other area of our life. When we talk about community, we're talking about a group of people who are bonded together by a common entity that holds them all together, even though they might be different, even though they might be diverse, they're held together by one commonality. And for us as the local church, that commonality is Jesus Christ. As we look at the word that's used here in this, this, uh, this passage of scripture in Acts chapter two, uh, verse number 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That word fellowship's really important. For us as Baptists, when we think of fellowship, we automatically, our, our mind immediately goes to food, right? Because you can't have a good fellowship without food. Uh, you know, who's bringing the fried chicken? Did somebody make a casserole? Did somebody bring dessert? Uh, what are we gonna have? Uh, we should have a, a five gallon thing of sweet tea somewhere. Uh, that's what a fellowship looks like, right? And we'll see it throughout the rest of this passage, probably next Sunday, where fellowship does definitely involve in having food and having a meal together and sharing your table with other people. But that word fellowship in and of itself, uh, the Greek word that's used, uh, just give you a quick uh, Bible linguistic uh, lesson here. 
The Old Testament is primarily written in the Hebrew language. There are portions of the book of Daniel and portions of Ezra that are written in Aramaic. But for the most part, by and large, the Old Testament written in uh, the Hebrew language. The New Testament would be written in the Greek language. And now the Greek language, the type of Greek language that it's written in, it's not written in uh, stuffy, high, like collegiate level Greek. It's actually what's referred to as Koine Greek, uh, K-O-I-N-E. Koine Greek is what the, the New Testament would be written on. And that word koine literally means common, everyday man's language. And so the Greek language that the New Testament's written in, stay with me for just a second, that word fellowship there is the word koinonia. Koinonia. And the root word of koinonia is the word common. Koine, common. So the word fellowship or community that is here literally means the things that are common. So when we think of community, the, the root word for community in the English language is not commune, it's actually common. When we talk about the community, these are the things that we have in common. These are the things that we share. And next week we'll take a look at how we live community out. This week we'll take a look at what makes up our community so as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, if you're taking notes, and I highly recommend that you do write down these thoughts this morning. First of all, these people, these early believers, continued in community. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship or in community with one another. If you are a Christian and you marginally attend Sunday morning church and you don't make any connections with anybody and it doesn't really change your life uh, Monday through Saturday, you are not part of the church the way that God intended because God in intended for you to be a part of a community. We've taken a look at before how the local church is a family and the fact that we have brothers and sisters. Uh, God is our father. Christ is our brother. We have brothers and sisters inside this family that we have. It's also a community where we share things in common. That Greek word koinonia means that which is shared in common. So when we think about the community, we need to think about the things that we share with one another. We share with one another our time, our talent, our treasures, we share burdens with one another. We share victories with one another. Uh, we share resources with one another. If somebody has a need, we want to meet that need. If somebody uh, is struggling in some area, we want to gather around that person and rally together with them. We share the good times together. Man, if somebody has an advancement ceremony at their work, we're going to gather together and we're going to celebrate that with them. If someone has a loss of a family member, we're going to rally around that person and pray for them and encourage them and help them because we share everything together. We share everything in common. That's the idea of the word We've had to be creative during this pandemic as far as what community looks like for us, but we can't stop being community. We had to meet online sometimes and have online Bible studies and uh, things along those lines, but we cannot stop being community with one another just because we can't meet together in person. It's been troubling to me to see churches in our community that have just kind of put up signs that says, no further services until further notice. That's not community, that's not church. Uh, church isn't relegated to a, a Sunday morning gathering where we gather together, sing some songs, and go home. It's a community. It's a place where we spend our life together sharing things in common. I had a great idea a few weeks ago. I, I'm full of great ideas if you ever need some. Uh, but I had a great idea. I thought to myself, what's the, the easiest way that I can get a group of our men together and just kind of you know, talk with them and pray with them and, and be an encouragement to guys in our church? And so I blasted out an email to about 25 guys and said, hey, I'm setting up a Zoom online coffee uh, with guys. And so sign up for a 15-minute time slot and you and I will get together and just kind of talk and shoot the breeze and uh, pray, pray together. And man, it was awesome. I had probably 20 or so guys that I, that I met with. But here's what I didn't anticipate. 
Staring at a computer screen, talking, and having to smile for six hours straight is exhausting. It is draining. And so I had an idea, I'll, I'll knock it out really quick and, and you know, make good work of it. And, and I thoroughly enjoyed my time with these guys. Please don't get me wrong. But I was exhausted at the end of the day because having to stare at a computer screen and, and be connected for six hours straight, it was draining. Man, it was. But at the end of it, I was encouraged. Amazing how something can be physically draining, but spiritually encouraging and life-giving. That's what it means to be a part of a community. You might be exhausted. You, there might be times where you put out more than you take in or times where you put out more than you, you, you take. But the idea of community is this. While you might be physically exhausted, you're spiritually renewed. And not only that, you're renewing the spirit of others as well. That's what it means to be in community with others Let's take a look at this passage this morning. It's important to understand that community is not based on geography. If you take a look at verse number five, this very first church that was ever created, this first living, breathing community of believers, verse number five says they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. We don't gather together with people who just came from our geographic region. You know, we don't have a, a, a church community that's split up based on what part of the world that we came from because the community knows no geography. I've had the opportunity to worship with folks in El Salvador. And man, how exciting that was to be able to, to worship together with believers who are speaking a totally different language but praising the exact same God that I praise. Man, what an incredible experience and again, to be able to go to Malaysia and a, a group of believers on a Wednesday night as we uh, drove through on our way to the, this church gathering, we drove through at nighttime the evening call to prayer and you hear a, a call to prayer for the Muslims to come over the uh, loudspeaker and people began walking towards the mosque to, to pray that evening. You see people coming out in droves to pray to a God that is not here. I remember the feeling of sadness that I felt as I saw these people immersed in false religion, a country immersed in false religion, being drawn to a prayer time of a God that would never hear them. And at the same time, we pulled into this small little, almost like a stall, a little roll-up door, and there's people in there praising God and singing praise songs that, I, again, I didn't know the language, but I understood the spirit immediately right away. These people were praising my God. And while... Thousands of people flock to a false god. Here is a gathering of probably, I don't know, 40 or 50 of my brothers and sisters that I've never met before praising my God in a language that I did not understand, but with a spirit that I knew completely and totally well. You know why? Because our community is not based on our geography. It transcends any one given location. This body that we're a part of, this community that we gather in is part of something that's bigger than ourselves, bigger than any one location. This church at Jerusalem would soon find that out. They began to face persecution. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, verse number 1, and Saul was consenting unto the death of Stephen. At that time was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Persecution came to the church at Jerusalem, and they scattered. But the church didn't stop once they scattered. The church actually thrived and continued to grow when they scattered. So the community that you and I are involved with isn't based on geography. We have the opportunity this, uh, in the next four weeks to send people on to other areas of the globe to continue to, to minister and serve the body of Christ. That's a nice way of saying people are leaving. Uh, but uh, we're sending them on with our blessing and saying, hey, what you learned here at Huikala, take that where you're going and invest it there. 
And so for the next four weeks, we get to say goodbye to some folks who've been a part of our Who We Call Ohana. We're saying we're sending you on to somewhere else to continue to gather together in community with other people and take what you've learned and take that further. Now, some people have said before, well, pastor, this is our church home. Uh, We're going to continue to to listen to the podcast online. We're going to continue to interact with church family on the internet, and that's going to be our church. And to that, I say, no. That was never God's intention. God's intention was always that you would gather together with local believers in the area that you are to develop a community. Because here's the thing. If you're in Alaska in the middle of the night and your car breaks down on the side of the road, nobody from our church is going to come bail you out as much as we'd like to. You're on your own at that point. Can we pray for you? For sure, but there's nothing we can do to help you. You If you're in the hospital, we can't come by and visit you. You need your own community that's there. But I'm thankful that the body of Christ isn't relegated to where we are today. It's a worldwide organization that God has allowed us to be a part of. One of the exciting things for for our family to do is when we go on family vacation, to be able to go to other churches and worship together with other uh, believers and see what God's doing in different areas. Because again, God's not just working here at Huey College, he's working worldwide, and this community is not based on our geography. I'm thankful that our community is not based on ethnicity. Take a look at verse number eight, actually verse number seven. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not these all which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in his own tongue wherein we were born? How do we hear this in our native tongue, our own language? How do we hear the gospel being preached? And this very first gathering of believers were people from every ethnicity under the sun, Every nation under the sun had come and heard the gospel. 3,000 people got saved, baptized, added to this church. And this church, like it or leave it, was a multicultural, multi-ethnic, thriving body of believers. It's a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. And I'm thankful that the body of Christ is a multi-ethnic, multicultural body of Christ. I'm thankful that when Jesus came to save sinners, he didn't look at people and where they come from or where they were born or what color of their skin. Jesus died for sinners everywhere. And again, in this time of racial tension in our nation and really throughout the world, I think it's important for us as the church to stand and say, we love all people. If people have been wrong, we stand against any sort of injustice whatsoever. And I don't care what your color of your skin is, if you have faced injustice, we are with you and we are for you because God is a God of justice. But it's important to understand that Jesus didn't come to set racial reconciliation right. Jesus didn't come to to bring harmony amongst this group or that group. Jesus came to save sinners. And so it's important that the heartbeat of this church maintains to be the gospel message because the gospel fixes everything. When we realize that we are all sinners before a holy God, when we understand that we are all in danger of God's wrath and judgment because of our sin, when we understand that every single one of us, bar none, are destined for an eternal hell separate from God because of our sin, we'll realize it doesn't matter what the color of your skin are, we're all in this mess together. But Jesus can save anyone. The Apostle Paul says that in Christ, there's no more Jew, no more Greek, no more male, no more female, that we're all one in the body of Christ. And I I love being a part of a multi-ethnic, multicultural church like Kuikala. I'm thankful that the body of Christ and community is not based on our type of ethnicity that we had. Peter actually says in Acts chapter 10, verse number 34, 
And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted by him. I'm thankful that for us, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved, doesn't matter what your ethnicity is or your background is. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 26, For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ and put on Christ, neither is there Jew nor Greek, neither is there bond nor free, neither is there male or female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. So this is a multi-ethnic gathering. Racism has no place whatsoever in the body of Christ and amongst Christians. Unless we think that, you know, racism is a thing that bad people do, we need to realize that all need to examine our hearts in light of any type of racist thoughts or racist uh, prejudices that we have against other people. It's interesting, Hawaii being as multicultural as it is, is not exempt from racism whatsoever. I've experienced racism here. My children have experienced racism here. Everyone has seen it, but none of it is okay at all. And so I want to say this firmly. We as the body of Christ should lead the way in loving all people, accepting all people, serving all people. And we would say that every single life matters, every single one of them. And here's the thing in our society today is that the cry for Black Lives Matter is really duplicitous because we can't say that, all, that Black Lives Matter if we're willing to continue to kill black babies at abortion clinics. You study Planned Parenthood, it was racist at its very beginning. Planned Parenthood are strategically placed in low-income, multi-ethnic, minority neighborhoods for the purpose of killing minority children. You can't get around that. It just is what it is. And so we can't say that black lives matter, but black babies don't matter. It's hard to hear, but it's just where we're at. We can't say that 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 we're standing for, for women's rights when we continue to be the number one producer of pornography in the world today. We can't say that. You can't say it with both ways. And pornography is, again, another part of, uh, that, that fuels racism in our society as well. We can't have it both ways, folks. So again, this is not something that's gonna be legislated away. This is not something that we can, can, can make our voices heard by, by, by protesting. We need to lead the way in love. And look, if I thought that by eliminating every single Confederate flag and every single statue in the world would bring back harmony, I would be for that. But I know that all of that is just a window show until we change the heart. What changes the heart? The gospel of Jesus Christ changes the heart. And when Christians start being biblical Christians, it will begin to change the world that we live in today. This will. So again, we as the church get the opportunity to lead the way through this. I'm thankful that our community is multicultural. I'm thankful that as I look around the room here this morning and as we uh, look at the story of the folks in a little bit that are gonna be baptized this morning, I'm thankful for the fact that everybody comes from a different background. Everybody has their own story. Uh, we all have our different cultures uh, that we have, different ways that we, we come from. And again, God created us in a unique way on purpose and God created us uniquely not to divide us but to diversify us. I don't want to be a part of a church where everybody's exactly like me. I don't want to be in a, a part of a church where there's a bunch of white 40-something guys that are slightly overweight. Uh, that's not my, the type of church that I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. You know why? Because that's the type of church that Jesus started on Jerusalem that day. And I will tell you this. I grew up in an all-white, 
County in Kentucky. I attended an all-white high school. I can say that I never spoke to a person of color, any color, uh, until I was 18 years old and I joined the military. I mean, I talked to people at the, at the store ordering something at McDonald's or something like that, but never actually had a meaningful interaction with a person of color until I was 18 years old. And let me just tell you this, I realized at 18 that I learned a lot of really rotten stuff about people that were different than me. And so it's important to understand that at the root of racism is two things. Ignorance, people who just don't know any better, haven't been taught any better. And then there's the real idea of hate as well. And neither of those places, either ignorance or hate, have no place in the body of Christ whatsoever. And as I see what's taking place in our nation today and the divisions and the dividing lines are being placed upon race, I'm grieved by it because I know it's the work of Satan. Because the Bible says the devil has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. You take a look at the lives that are being lost, I don't care what ethnicity they are. Lives are being lost in our nation and it's shameful. It's embarrassing. How does that happen? Because the devil told, said that he has come to kill. You take a look at the looting and the thieving that's taking place and people feel like they have the right to steal from these, this person because it's a corporation or this, that, or the other. Who is a thief? The Bible says that the devil is. He came to steal to kill and the destruction that we see in our nation, not only from a physical standpoint, but from an emotional and spiritual standpoint is 100% the work of Satan. And God helped the church that buys into that line that's being fed by the devil. It's being perpetuated even further by our media. I can't afford to buy into it. I was watching the news the other day. I just had to turn it off because they had a, uh, you know, a guy going around interviewing people about their thoughts on racism and asking people if they had any racist uh, proclivities or leanings and stuff like that. And then the, they throw it back to, to Bob in the, the studio and Bob goes, what was it like having a white man ask white people that question? If black people ask uh, white people that question, would they, and, and just turn it off, stop. Why do we have to identify people by the color of their skin? Why can't they just be people? Now again, I'm not saying that we can't celebrate our diversity because God created us different. You're different for me and I celebrate that with you. But why do we have to draw lines where God intended us not to draw lines? We run into very dangerous territory when we do that. Psalm 139 says that God created us uniquely the way that we are. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance and yet being unperfect. God, you created me exactly the way that I am. The color of skin that I have is the color of skin that, that you created me with. And look, we as, as parents need to lead our children through this process of appreciating how God has made them. I'm not talking about your sin. I'm not talking about your shortcomings. I'm not talking about the fact that, well, God made me an angry person or God gave me a... a, 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 a alcoholic gene. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way that God made you as the person that you are. And, and God help any Christian who's going to apologize for the way that God created them. It's just not right. I've been grieved again by watching the churches, and I talk about the church at large response to this. And I've seen pastors get up in front of their congregation, post clips online of them weeping in front of their congregation, apologizing for being white. How can I apologize for the way that God created me? And, and again, has God given me certain privilege based on my ethnicity or based on my skin color? Maybe or maybe not, but that's not my place to discuss that. 
I'm talking about what God has given me to use it to further his kingdom and to serve my fellow man. If God's given me a privilege, I want to use it to glorify God and to serve my fellow man. But we can't draw lines where God didn't draw lines. And don't apologize for the person that God created you to be. Look, I've had to talk to kids who are ashamed to live in Hawaii with light skin and they want to get a suntan and be as dark as they can because everybody at their school is dark. Hey, look, God created you as who you are. Enjoy that. Appreciate that. Be who you are that God's created you to be. God doesn't want all of us to be the same. He created us uniquely, not to separate us, but to diversify us. The body of Christ was created this way so that we can strengthen one another. Look, your, your upbringing, your cultural background is different from mine. That doesn't make us different. That makes us stronger because you bring your experience to the table and I can learn from you. You have experiences that I don't have. I wanna, I wanna learn from that so I can be a better man. I wanna hear your experiences because I wanna grow from that. And we're different not as a way to separate us, but to unite us. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. He talks about how the body of Christ is a body. The eye can't say to the foot, I don't want to be the eye anymore. I'd rather be the foot. No, you're the eye. If the whole body were made up of eyes, then we would see a lot, but we wouldn't do anything. And so the body is made up of distinct members so that the body can be stronger. And you have been placed in this church by God to strengthen the body based on your uniqueness and your diversity. That's where we get strength from. Where I grew up in, uh, in Kentucky, there's a lot of, even to this day, segregation in churches. And the fact that there are black Baptist churches and there are white Baptist churches. And sometimes people say, well, I feel more comfortable with, with people of my own kind. <laughs> That's part of the problem. Because we, when we begin to say people of a kind, we begin to segregate. And just know this, the churches in America that are segregated based on race were segregated from times back before the civil rights movement of the 60s. It's a holdover from segregation. Look, we wouldn't go to any restaurant where it was a black-only restaurant. We would say, that's segregation, that's not of God. We wouldn't go to a white-only restaurant. We would say, that's segregation, that's not right. But yet in churches, we still allow this to perpetuate where there's white churches and black churches and Asian churches or Korean churches and things like that. Look, we are the body of Christ. The very first church was a multi-ethnic, multi-racial church. And we need to celebrate our diversity. And again, on the topic of race, God created one race, it's called the human race. Multi-ethnic, multicultural, you can call it what you want, but we are all one race. And I'm thankful that Huikala is a place where we're diverse. It's also important to understand as part of the body of Christ that the idea here, the goal is not uniformity, but it's conformity to the image of Christ. We're not trying to get you to be like me. We're trying to get you to be like Jesus. At our church in uh, California that we attended before we started Huikala, there was a family in our church that was from Nigeria, and probably once a month they would dress up in full Nigerian getup. I don't even know what they call it, but man, it's the most beautiful, colorful thing that you've seen. And they wore the, these, these head wraps that they had. It was gorgeous. Nobody said to them like, hey, we wear a jacket and tie around here. You need to knock that off. You know why? Because that's them. That's who they are. And that's how they celebrate. It's beautiful. We held a... a wedding ceremony at the beginning of this year uh, for uh, David Garcia and his wife, Yojana. Yojana's from Nepal. 
and her family was dressed in beautiful Nepalese, you know, wedding getup. It was gorgeous. Man, I love it. We didn't say to them, hey, this is America, dress American. Please. We celebrated it. It's beautiful. We're not trying to make you like us. We're trying to make you like Jesus. And that's the idea here. People feel like they have to, to resign their, their uniqueness to be a part of the body of Christ. No, we're just saying your identity is no longer in your uniqueness. Your identity is found in Christ. And so the idea here, just like the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse number 29, whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I love this verse, Romans 8, 29. If you have your notes handy, look at that verse again. Conformed to the image of his son. That word conformed means to be pressed into the mold of. We're trying to shape you to be like Jesus. And it says that he was the firstborn among many brethren. Here's the idea behind that. Jesus is the firstborn of the family, the firstborn brethren. What does that mean? Jesus is the big brother. He's the older brother that we look to. Who's our example? Jesus is. Who's our protection when people are trying to take our lunch money? Jesus is. He's our big brother. You don't want to mess with my big brother. Seriously. Who do I look up to? Jesus. Who do I run to when I need guidance? Jesus. Now, I have other brothers and sisters, but my big brother's Jesus. That's the idea, and we're trying to be like our big brother. We want to be like our father, and our big brother's our example. That's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. I celebrate the, the diversity that we have in our church. But please know this, we can never use our uniqueness and our identity to segregate us, ever under any circumstances whatsoever. Here's the thing, we've never, at who we call it, and I don't, I, I don't I wanna say never because I don't wanna say never, but we have never thus far ever had a fellowship or get together based on ethnicity. We've never had a Korean fellowship. You know why? Because everybody loves Kalbi, all right? We all wanna eat it. Don't save it just for the Korean folks, right? Bring it for everybody. Now, kimchi, we can disagree on that, right? Uh, but uh, everybody likes kalbi, come on. And the more sauce, the better. Let's enjoy it together. We've never had a Filipino fellowship just for the Filipino folks. Hey, look, everybody likes, likes lumpia, bring it. The more, the better, you know? Let's all enjoy it together. Let's celebrate our diversity, you know? You come from the South and you got a mean chili that you used to cook at the chili cook-off every year, bring it, we wanna eat it. We want to enjoy it. Don't hold it out just for the, we're having a Southern folk fellowship, you know, or just a Southern folk. That's easy. Let the body of Christ enjoy it. We don't have a military wives get together. You know why? Because all women struggle with the same thing. We have ladies get togethers. We have men's get togethers. But at the end of the day, we are one in Christ. Let's not segregate. It just doesn't make sense. We want to, to learn from one another. We want to diversify and celebrate that diversity it's important to understand, though, when it comes to the community, the body of Christ, this community is not for everybody. I want to say that everyone is welcome in the body of Christ. Everyone's welcome here. But some people choose to self-exclude themselves from this community. It's interesting if we take a look at our text in Acts chapter 2, as Paul preaches, verses 8 through uh, 11, really, everybody's hearing in their own native tongue. Verse number eight, how we hear every man in our own tongue where we were born. 
Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya around Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, multicultural, multi-ethnic church. It wasn't just people from the Middle East. There were, there were, it says that there were folks from Asia and there were Asians in this group. And they all heard in their own tongue the wonderful works of God, verse number 11. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? They're hearing the gospel and they go, whoa, what does this mean? Take a look at verse number 12. They were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? And then others, mocking, said, these men are full of new wine. <laughs> these guys are a bunch of drunks and crazies. Where's the exit? I'm out of here. I'm done with this. And some people will self-select out of being a part of this community. And that's okay. Because you've got to choose at the end of the day what your community is and who you're going to follow. I don't want you to follow me. I want you to follow Jesus. But you've got a decision to make. Nobody's automatically going to be born into the body of Christ. Nobody's automatically born into God's family. You are born actually outside of the community. Everyone is. We are born into this world as sinners. We've all sinned against God. We've all made mistakes. And because of our sin, the Bible says there's a price that must be paid. The Bible says that when we die, we'll have to answer for every wrong that we've ever done. We'll stand before God one day and give an account of our life. The Bible says that day, God's gonna open up a book called the Book of Life. And if your name is not there, you're gonna be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. You're going to hell. But the Bible says that Jesus died to pay for your sins, that if you'd be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus, that he would save you, would write your name in that book, and that you would be welcome into his family forever. And friend, if there's never been a time for you where you've accepted Christ as Savior, there's never been a time in your life where you've been born again. Jesus says no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he was born again. You need to be saved. There's never been a time in your life where you've been saved. Today is your opportunity Jesus died to pay for your sins and he's willing to accept you, flaws and all, if you're willing to repent of your sin and put your faith in him today. And when you do that, you'll be born into God's family. But until then, you cannot be a part of God's family until you put your faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto which are saved is the power of God. I've often said this whole pandemic thing that's been going on this year, I don't know how I would have made it without my faith in God, without my church family. I just really don't. I didn't have anything to latch on to, cling to, know for sure that was true. I don't know what I would do. And to people who don't know Jesus Christ, they think what we're doing is crazy. They think it's foolishness. But the Bible says to us that know God, this is our power. This is where our source of strength is. This book, these people, this is life to us. Everybody else might think we're crazy and that's okay. Jesus says, people hated you. Please know this, they hated me before they hated you. But this community is not necessarily for everyone, but for those of us that it is, it's everything to us. This is a community where we find our identity in Jesus Christ. Again, the thing that identifies me as a human being is no longer my ethnicity or my place in life that I have or my socioeconomic standing or my demographic that I'm a part of. My identity is found in Jesus Christ. I am first and foremost a child of God. That's who I am. Now, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm a friend, but I'm first and foremost a child of God. Everything else flows from that. 
I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm a child of God. That is my identity. Now again, when we find our identity in the fact that I'm a, a white man or I'm a, a black woman, that's my identity, that's who I am, we've misplaced our identity because our identity is first found in Christ. And I celebrate the fact that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed of it. This is who I am. This is my identity. My community is identified first and foremost by the fact that we are children of God and we are followers of Jesus. That's our community. That's what ties us together. Now, again, I'm thankful that we were part of a multicultural church. There's people that have so many different life experiences that I can learn and glean from. I'm thankful that people have different backgrounds than I do. I can grow from that. We had a family in our church who, she was an atheist for her entire life and she got saved three years ago. I wanna learn from that. Help me to understand how you made the jump from the fact that there is no God to the point where I submit my entire life to God. What happened in the gap? I gotta know. I don't understand that because I grew up in church my whole life. Teach me. There's people in our church who, who grew up here in Hawaii who have deep roots here. I want to learn from that. How does, you know, Hawaiian spirituality, how do you kind of weigh that against your biblical faith that you have? Teach me from that. I want to learn from that. Know people who have been in false churches before and been under false teaching, how did you come to see the truth of the gospel for what it is? I want to learn from that. It makes us stronger together. But what identifies us all is our identities found in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter two, verse number 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There was a time where you didn't have a community. There was a time where you didn't have a group that you were a part of. You were a stranger in a strange place with no home and more importantly, no hope. But now what's happened? But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes far off are made nigh, by the blood of Christ. Jesus brought us all together. We're different, but that's what makes us strong. We're unique, but that's how we grow together. And what is the thing that holds us all together? Jesus Christ. As we look at this community that we're a part of, that we call the local church, this community, this fellowship is defined by ownership. What makes us different is not necessarily what we ascribe to, but who we belong to. It's important to first understand first and foremost that we belong to God. What, know you not that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost? That you're not your own, you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your mortal bodies? You don't belong to yourself, you belong to God. So you know what I have to do now that I'm a part of a community that belongs to God? I gotta ask myself, what does God want me to do? How do I serve God with what I have? Because I belong to him. I'm not my own. And this community is defined based on our ownership. But it's not just the fact that we belong to God, it's secondly that we belong to one another. Community, common, what we have in common is the fact that we belong to God and we belong to one another. I chose to be a part of this community. And please understand this, the local church as a community, you get to choose your own involvement in the community. Totally up to you. There are people who have attended Hui Kala for five years and nobody even knows their name. And that's by their own choice. You chose not to get involved. 
You chose not to be a part of a community. You chose not to get invested. You chose to show up late and leave early. You chose to be sporadic in your attendance. You chose to never be a part of a small group. You chose to never go through discipleship. Therefore, you're not really part of a community. You just attend from time to time. But the people that I found at Huikala that grow the most, that get the deepest in, are the people that jump in with both feet. They're the people that are here every single Sunday morning without fail unless something's going on and they've let me know ahead of time they're going to be here. They get here early so that they can talk to people and get to know other folks in their church family. They stay afterwards and find out where they can help, how they can pitch in. They're generally people who have committed to church membership and by being a part of the church body and how they can love, pray, give, serve, and invest. They're the people that are getting stuff done around here. They're the people that park your cars on a Sunday morning. They're the people that teach your kids uh, on Sunday mornings. They're the people that greet you on your way in. The people that stay afterwards and wipe down your chair after you're gone. These are the people that have jumped in with both feet or part of a small group throughout the week. They see the same people every week and they're praying for folks. They're getting together, having meals, or having coffee or sending text messages throughout the week. These are people that are part of community because they realize they belong to one another. You see, when I realize that I'm a part of a community and I belong to other people, I realize, I want you to get this. When I'm part of a community, I realize that the thoughts that I think, the words that I say, the actions that I perform don't only affect me, they affect my church family. I'm responsible to Daniel for the way that I live my life. You know why? Because I've chosen to be a part of a community that he's a part of, and the choices that I make will positively or negatively impact his life. I take that very seriously. I realize that my life belongs to Larry because Larry's my brother in Christ and the decisions that I make greatly affect his life. Not because I'm the pastor, but because I'm a part of his community. And we've chosen to be in community with one another, having each other's back, loving each other, serving each other, taking care of each other, and the decisions I make greatly impact his life. I realize that because now my life doesn't belong to me to do with what I want. My life belongs to God and it belongs to my brothers and sisters. You say, when do I get to do what I want to do? If you're a Christian living by the book, you don't. Sorry. Well, you, well, you mean by being a real Christian or by being, being a biblical Christian, I don't get to do what I want? D- yeah. <laughs> Sorry. If I'm the first one to break that to you, I greatly apologize, but I hope you'll be encouraged by it. That you get to listen to God first and you get to look out for other people second. And you know what? You will get in return joy can't put a price tag on that. If I put God first, he's gonna take care of every need that I have. Jesus himself said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You'll get everything you want out of life when you put him first. God makes a promise in his word, no good thing will he withhold from him which walks uprightly. Put God first, do the right thing every single time, and God will give you everything that your heart desires. Everything. That if I choose to put other people before myself, the Bible says that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So if I put other people above, uh, before myself, God's gonna take care of everything else. It's like a ladder. And God says, put yourself at the bottom rung of the ladder, put everybody else at the top. And then there's coming a day where God takes the ladder and he flips it upside down. And the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So I'm just gonna trust in God's plan. You know, do something fun, study the New Testament sometime, look for the phrase one another. 
It's interesting. Galatians chapter 5 says, For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. It's not about what I can get from this. It's about what I can give. Now, Paul's writing to the church at Galatia and says, he's talking to some Jews there who have been under the slavery of the law. He's telling you guys, you've been set free from the slavery of the law. Free. He tells other groups, hey, look, you've been set free from sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. So you've been set free from sin. You've been set free from the law, but you're not free to do with what you want. Now you get to serve other people. Now you get to love other people and take care of one another. Romans chapter 12, verse number 10, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. You see, it's about serving other people. It's important to understand too, community, it's a two-way street. You get out of it what you put into it. And if you're constantly taking from community, you're not gonna really enjoy it the way that you wanted to. But if you're one who wants to serve and put into community, that's where you'll see the good stuff come from. I, I, I love our church family for a thousand and one reasons, but this community is one of the reasons why I love it. Um, one of our men, Andy Curry, put Andy on your prayer list. He's hopefully coming from, home from the hospital today. He had uh, emergency surgery on his appendix yesterday. I get a text from Andy at 1230 at night uh, on Friday night saying, Pastor, I've been admitted to the hospital. I think I have to take my appendix out. Pray for, pray for my wife and kids. First of all, I'm thankful that I'm a part of a church family where people feel comfortable at 1230 sending me a text saying, please pray for me. I love that. And here's the thing. If you don't have my, my phone number, it's in the bulletin every single week of the world. And if you fill out a connection card, I sent you an email with my phone number on there. So it's myself, call me. Secondly, I sent out an email yesterday saying, hey, pray for the courage. If you could make a meal for them this week, please let me know. We had three dozen people say that they wanted to make a meal. Look, we're not trying to feed them for the next three months. We're just trying to like get them through the week, right? But you know what I love about our church family? Everybody wanted to do something. And there were people who said, Pastor, I'm super jammed. I haven't even been able to get to the grocery for my own family, but I'm willing to order Uber Eats to their house. I love that. You know what that spirit says? It's not about me, it's about other people. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church family when somebody has a need. We got three dozen people who will step up and say, got it, I'm gonna do that. And that's the picture of community. We had one of our men who said, Pastor, uh, I'm going to Costco and picking up some stuff. I can drop it by their house. I have their address because their kids wrote me a card last month. I thought to myself, that's community. Their kids wrote me a card to be an encouragement to me, so now I want to be a blessing to them. That's Community is a two-way street. I'm thankful that that's what the body of Christ is about. That's how we do this. Loving each other, serving each other, putting God first, putting other people first. That's what it means to be part of community important to understand a church without community is not a church. Simple as that. It's a fellowship. It's a community. It's a place where people love, serve one another. That's where we get invested. It's where we put some skin in the game. And any church that doesn't have that is not a church. Please understand this. I'm making a bold, wild, crazy prediction. Online church will never catch on. Ever. You know why? Because it lacks the community. Oh, we can get on message boards and, and leave prayer requests online and we can, we can do Zoom, get together. Never work. Look, people have been trying since the 90s to have online church, okay? It's never gonna catch on. You know why? It's not the biblical model for church. It's just not. Church has always, for 2,000 years, been people gathering together, loving, serving, praying, giving, investing together. Every single week of the world, that's how they live their life. 
We're not going to replace it with a really cool app. Never. And if we fail to have the community aspect of a church, we're no longer a church. People have come to who we call from other churches because they felt like they got lost in a sea of people. Big church, big production, no community. That's a problem. Because everybody craves fellowship. Everybody craves interaction. Everybody craves validation. Everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be understood. And the church provides a place for that because it's the way that Jesus created it. That's why community is so important to us. And again, we had to do things differently during the pandemic and things like that. We're still doing things differently. And the fact that we're having Wednesday night online connect groups, that's fine, but we're still having community. Again, I'm grieved by churches that just put a sign up on the, 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 the door that's just closed. You can't close the church and you can't close community. And again, if, if it's a church without community, it's not really a church. God created for us a place where we can have that connection and it's called the local church some final questions we need to ask ourselves today. I'm, re- I'm really excited, by the way, too, about our baptisms. We've got a baptism video that I'm gonna show you in just a minute. It's about, it's about nine minutes long. It's longer than we normally do. We have 10 people that are being baptized. That's huge, 10. I think we've had one other time in the history of our church that we've had 12 people baptized on one Sunday, but this is big for us. For these folks being baptized, this is one of the biggest days of their Christian life, and we wanna celebrate it together with them. It's gonna be awesome. But, but here's the thing that I loved as I watched these stories of these folks. They're people that came to who we call that God changed their life through this place. And it's special, it's unique. And one of the things that the church does is we go, we win, we baptize, and we teach. It's a great commission, it's what we do. And by seeing these folks baptized today as their brothers and sisters, as their community, we get to go celebrate that with them. Man, it's gonna be so awesome, I can't wait. And they're going out there today to say to us as a church family, I've accepted Christ as Savior and I want to follow him in my life. And to every other person that's out there at Alamona Beach Park that thought they were going for a picnic or to go to surf or to bodyboard or take the kids to the beach, they get to see today 10 people say, I have committed to live, live for Jesus every day for the rest of my life. This is my commitment to him. Man, what a special thing that is for us to do. And God's given that gift to us as community but we all need to ask ourselves some serious questions and evaluate our commitment to the community. First of all, do I find my identity in Jesus Christ? Is that really who I am? Or is church just something that I do? Or do I identify with people that these are my people because he is my God? Is your identity strong like that? (laughs) It's funny when we first started in Huicala. We were going around to uh, different neighborhoods and stuff like that, inviting people to church and telling people about our grand opening. We had some flyers that said grand opening on them that we were giving out to people and stuff like that. And um, I came to one guy's door and I knocked on the door and I said, hey, I just want to invite you to our church. Uh, I said, it's over on uh, Waimano Street. He goes, oh, yeah, 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 I'll go to that church. Really? Mind you, we haven't opened yet. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long have you been going there? About six months. Good. I said, do you like it there? Oh, man, I love it, love it, love it. And I love the pastor there. Good. <laughs> Great. Dude, why would you lie about something like that? But you know what's funny? People call this their church, but they're not really a part of the community. There's been people who have attended church here twice that people, that they, I've heard them tell other people that they go to church here. It's just like, either you're part of the community or you're not. 
And here's the thing, if you're not part of the community, I invite you today to join our community. Be a part of this, jump in with both feet, join a small group, go through discipleship, get connected with people. You say, hey pastor, I'd love to meet more people in our church. Great, I got 10 people I could have you grab coffee with this week. You want community, it's here, but you have to choose to be a part of it. Do you find your identity in this community and are you living in community with God's people? I'm not talking about attending church, I'm talking about being plugged into a community. And I know some of you, you would never in a million years admit this, but you hate the fact that we don't have a handshaking time right now. I know you do. Some of you, it was your, your least favorite part of it, and I know you miss it right now. I miss it. It's weird. I had the opportunity to uh, uh, talk to some folks who came uh, last week for the first time, and they, they dipped out before I get a chance to, to say hey on the way out, but I caught them at the mall. Man, I love it when God works that out. <laughs> you can run, but you cannot hide. Uh, but I said, hey, thanks for coming. I said, it was a little weird. They go, yeah, it's kind of weird for us because like, like, you know, nobody's really talking to each other because you got to keep your distance. And, you know, it just kind of felt weird. And I said, it feels weird for us too. I said, our church, I promise you, is the friendliest church in the entire world. And when these masks come off and handshakes come back, uh, man, we'll love the socks off of you. But uh, it, it's weird in the meantime, right? But here's the thing. I don't have to have a handshaking time to be in community with people. That's just one more opportunity to be in community. Next, am I looking for community elsewhere? I should be seeking in the church. Hey, look, you can find community anywhere. There's websites devoted to helping create communities where they don't already exist. I mean, you could go online and find a group that gets together for Frisbee golf every week if you want. Are you looking for community elsewhere that you should be finding in the church? Are you looking for commitments or connections with people that you could find in the church but you're trying to find it elsewhere? It's good, it's good to have a sense of community elsewhere, but church needs to be your primary place for that. You know, I mentioned I go to, to a CrossFit gym. And one of, the reasons why, one of the reasons why I continue to go to the gym is because I want to try to get, bring people to Jesus. I use that as an opportunity to share my faith with people. And over the course of the last four years that I've been a part of this gym, we've had three dozen people come to our church as a result of me being at the gym. We've had a dozen people accept Christ as Savior and two people baptized as a result of, of the gym that I go to. I go to that. It's a community for sure, but I'm trying to get people to this community instead. And so if you want to use other communities as an opportunity to outreach to this one, I'm all for that, but please don't let one overtake the other because Jesus will always be our number one identity and our number one source of community. Next, how can I get deeper involved in community? What's the next step for me? For some of you, maybe it's church membership to commit to love, pray, give, serve, invest, jump in with both feet, get to work. I'm thankful this morning we had uh, two ladies that joined our church, uh, Ella and her daughter, Ashley. Ashley got saved last Sunday. She, both of them are getting baptized today. Both of them joined the church together this morning. They asked, how can we get involved? Uh, Ashley, she's interested in, uh, she just graduated high school. She's going to college for early high school, or I'm sorry, early childhood education. And she said, what do I need to do to get involved in children's ministry? I love that. I love that. You got saved last week, you're getting baptized this week, and you're asking how you can get involved next week. That's the progression, right? And the idea is now, what's my next level of commitment? How do I get more involved? Maybe I need to join in a small group. We have a group that meets on Tuesday nights. We have groups that meet on Wednesday nights. We have single adults that meets on Friday nights. We have men's leadership nights throughout the year when things aren't crazy and ladies' nights when things aren't crazy and stuff. Multiple opportunities, but the question is, how do you get more involved? Maybe you need to go through discipleship. Maybe you need to take somebody through discipleship. Maybe it's church membership for you. I don't know what it is, but I know that all of us need to grow. Next, 
Who is someone that I can encourage to join our community? What's a way that I can get people into this body that we have here called community? And again, this is a little bit different based on the, the time that we're in. I, w- I would normally say, you know, have people over to your house and grill burgers and, and have other Christians around and stuff like that. Maybe you can do that. Maybe you can't. I don't know. But here's what I do know. We can still live out our faith. We can still bring people to Jesus Christ. We can still invite people to church. We can still share the gospel. We can still encourage other people with what God's doing in our church. You know, for me, I rarely ever post anything on, on social media, but a lot of times what I'll do is I'll share videos that our church has or people getting baptized or photos of people getting baptized or discipleship starting. I'll share that stuff on my own personal social media because I want to use what I have as influence. But who are people that I can get here? How can I make that happen in my life? We need to ask ourselves those questions. Most important question in the world you need to ask yourself is this, are you saved? Has there been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as Savior? Jesus said this, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And look, if you are not a Christian, there's never been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as Savior and you've never been born again, know this, this right here is just like a country club or any other club because it makes no difference because you're not a child of God. One of the things that I love about the stories you're gonna hear about people's testimonies today, several people, I want you to listen for them, came to this church thinking that they were Christians because they believed in God or because they grew up in church or something like that, but realized really quickly that they weren't a Christian. You're somebody who's been a member of a church for years, but was never actually saved. That's the most important thing in the world. Know for sure that you're saved. Know for sure that you're a child of God. Then ask yourself, how do I get plugged in here? How do I get involved in community? How do I grow in my faith here? Because God wants all of us to be a part of this community If you're saved, if you're a child of God, what's your next step? What's the next level of growth for you? How do you become more useful to the body of Christ? Maybe there's some sin blocking your commitment to the church. Maybe there's some things you need to make right before you can be a part of the body the way God intended you to. Maybe you come from that idea of ignorance and hatred of racism in your heart. Maybe you don't even know that it's there and purge that, flush it, and love people the way that Jesus loved people. I don't know what it is, but I know that this passage, this idea of living in fellowship and community with one another, God has a plan for all of us. Let's find that plan that God has and pursue it passionately. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.